It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. But, Dan, I think we need to move on because the Bears have a uh, penultimate football game to play in Detroit on New Year's Day, and there's a lot going on there. So let's um, pivot from the front office to the football field and look ahead at the Lions game Sunday. The Lions, this is the way that we can segue into this. There are two things to me that have become very clear about this Bears season, two things that I think – are big picture conclusions that, that I'd like to draw right now. Number one, they found their quarterback. Hallelujah. Okay, that is what we have spent the uh, last month or so or a few months or so talking about debating and, and celebrating in some circles. The Bears have found their quarterback. Number two, I think it's undeniable that the Bears have established themselves as the worst team in the division. So they oh, have yeah. been passed by the Lions. And I don't know if that was true at the beginning of the season, but it certainly is more apparent, apparent now as we get into um, this game between the Bears and the Lions. The Bears have established themselves as the cellar dwellers in the NFC North. David, if the Bears lose on Sunday and the Green Bay Packers win, the Bears will be in last place in the NFC North by five games. That's five games out of third place in the division. So if you're talking about ground that needs to be made up, that's a, a, a an indicator staring you right in the face that says you you are that far away uh, from, from even being near the, the upper half of your division, much less having a chance to take the North and never give it back uh, to, to, uh, to drop a podcast reference there. So this is a, a, a two-week sp- uh, span here against the, the Lions and then the home game against the Vikings to close it out where you get a, a little bit more of a division measuring stick. The Bears have not gone uh, winless in the NFC North since 2017. It's the only time in the history of the NFC North, which dates back to the early parts of the century, that, that the Bears went winless in the division. And so he, I know people are going to dread it if they, they, they go squeeze out a win somewhere in these last two games. But I think it is important to let your competitors know, hey, you know, <laughs> we're hanging around and, and, and we're going to be feisty and we're going to come after you a little bit. I thought it was notable on Thursday. Uh, I guess it was still the morning when we heard from Luke Getze. Uh, and he, him talked about going into a, a playoff atmosphere at Ford Field on the first weekend of January, something you don't say a lot <laughs> when you're covering the league. But I think it's important for the Bears to, to embrace that and recognize that, that the Lions have a lot to play for, that they are still fighting for a chance to be a wildcard team in the postseason uh, in January. And when you have the opportunity to experience a, a game that has that energy in the building, that has that big stakes uh, attached to it, all of a sudden you've got you've got a chance to grow. You've got a chance to add another experience to your, to your library. And I think it's cool that this coaching staff is is using that as a way to kind of get some attention and concentration out of the group that they're coaching. Now, grudging or not, you have to give the respect to Dan Campbell because everything you just said is possible, I believe, because he got his team to buy in. And he got his team to buy in through some very difficult circumstances. (laughs) This is the power of coaching, if you want to make that argument. The evidence is there. They were one in six, I believe, this season. They were. They started one in six. And here they are talking about the potential of making the playoffs, a playoff atmosphere at Ford Field in January, the first day of 2023. And I think that it has more to do 
or at least as much to do with coaching as it does talent. Now they do have talent. The strength is in their offensive line. I think yeah. they have built their defensive line with pieces and they started to go, but their strength is not their defense. Jared Goff has had a very <laughs> surprisingly good season, but Dan, they build with the offensive line. They epitomize what their coach is in terms of toughness. And you have to give Dan Campbell the credit he deserves for putting them in this situation. We'll get to the blueprint in a minute here in terms of some of the things that they're trying to do under Dan Campbell and, and general manager Brad Holmes. Uh, I'm writing a story for ChicagoTribune.com, which will be launched on Friday morning as you listen to this, uh, just kind of about this surge that the, the, the Lions have been on and, and, and what it traces back to in their minds and, and, and how it can be not necessarily replicated, but at least acknowledged by the Bears in the, in the state that they're in. Uh, and, and you go back to the preseason and, and the Lions, obviously, you know, they, 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 their entire 2021 season was defined by near misses. They finished in last place in the division. You're a three and 13 football team that, that just found every way to lose games in Dan Campbell's first season. And then they go in in the first week of the preseason and they blow a lead late in a preseason opener against the Atlanta Falcons means nothing, right? It means nothing to you, means nothing to me, means nothing to, to 89 of the players that were uh, on the sideline that night at Ford Field. Dan Campbell was having none of it because they had a lead in the fourth quarter. They had a three-point lead. It could have been a seven-point lead. They couldn't get it done, and they end up giving up a, a late touchdown to Desmond Ritter, and it set Dan Campbell off. And so here's a clip from Hard Knocks that played uh, in the summer to give you an indication of, of just kind of where Dan Campbell's mindset was there, and then we'll talk about what it means. This is the one thing, man, that just irritated me about last night. In the critical moment, we control that game. We had control of this game. All right. We gave it away. Which was that them or us? That was us, man. All the stuff that's been here that has kept us from winning. If we really want to go where we want to go, we got to get all the rest of this out of our stuff, man. All this dirt, everything that's in our this last bit of losing's got to get out of here. The that crushes us, that cost you a game, cost you a season, cost you the playoffs, cost you a championship game, cost you a Super Bowl. Like that's the we got to get out, man. When we have a game and we own that game, we finish that game. David, Dan Campbell did not care that it was third and fourth stringers on the field at the end of that that football game against the Falcons in August. He's talking about returning the Lions to a culture that doesn't accept mediocrity at any, at any point. And that means in from the preseason to the last game you play in the regular season, it may be a little too meatball-y and, well, and football-y no, for a lot of people it, in the it, world. It will be. It, it, it will be. We know. We both know that. I mean, you know that when you picked it. You know that when you heard it. You know that because – what what this has done, it didn't need this season to do it in Chicago or elsewhere, but there are people who understand what Dan Campbell is saying and respect where he's coming from and understand the context because he's a football coach. This is the way football coaches talk and think and act. This is the way they they, they care about things like culture. Okay. Outside details. Of, details. 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 You're exactly right. The attention to details and what those mean when you when you magnify those details and they help you create a larger culture that you one day will benefit from. But outside of that bubble, however big that bubble may be, inside where the meatballs reside, like us, I suppose, I think other people look at that, the draft nicks, if you will, and they say, well, you know, that's ridiculous because once you get talent here, you will you will find culture is largely irrelevant and none of that stuff will matter. And I think that is the argument that is difficult to combat or counter, but you believe one way 
or you believe another way. I, I think there's very little middle ground. And once you pick a lane, it's very difficult to veer off of it. Well, I think you can I think, look, I go down the highway all the time and sometimes I'm in the express lane. Sometimes I'm in the right lane. I think you could explore different lanes and look at different things and figure out how you like the view in different places. But the, the, the point of this is that we're, we're now, you know, almost five months beyond that, that little, uh, preseason pep talk, the, the, you know, the scene there in the locker or in the team meeting room in, in Detroit after that loss. And you see a Lions team that suddenly has found something, right? And I, I've told you off off the air that we were going to we were going to suspend and put a moratorium on using the phrase learn to win because uh, it's just too radioactive and people lose the interpretation of what you're trying to say. And so um, I, I said we were going to replace it with with, you know, talking about discovering a winning formula. OK, like nobody can can argue with discovering a winning formula because every team has to find that for themselves. The Lions have found it within the second half of the season. They got blown out this past weekend in Carolina, lost 37 to 23. And it was, the, you know, just their second loss in the last eight games. But they had been on a, a, a ride there where they had won six of seven and they had won close games. and They had won games where they would played their best football and pulled away. And they had won games where, where they had to protect a really small lead late in the game. And they won games where they had to come back and win. And Dan Campbell has spoken to that team about this is how uh, you kind of gain experiences in all these different environments in the NFL. And then you have something to draw back on as you're trying to become a team that wins regularly. Look, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, that this is a, a model organization, right? The Detroit Lions are still, you know, in the middle to the bottom half of the NFC, and they still got a long way to go to find their way to what we would consider relevance, which is being competitive on an annual basis for a three-year stretch or longer. But they found something. And one of the things I think they found, and, and it's I I instrumental for every team, is the element of belief. And here's another thing. Talk to a handful of folks in Detroit this week, David, and, and they point back to the end of last season when the Lions won three of their final six games as a bit of a springboard. And I, I know people will roll their eyes and say, what do you mean a springboard? They, they started the season one and six. How did that finishing stretch help them? But people inside that organization at every level, credit that end of season surge to to strengthening the belief and, and, and steadying the belief inside the team that, OK, we can find ways to win games and it's going to help us up the road. It helped them in the stretch where they won six of seven and now he's coming off a loss. And, and so you, you, you embrace those kinds of things and you see a team, as you mentioned earlier, that's building itself in the trenches and then trying to, to, to just find a way to get that catalyst that makes them good in, as Matt Eberflus has talked about ad nauseum now for the last few weeks, being sharp in game-defining moments. So if we do transition from learning to win to developing the winning formula, and you do look <laughs> at the way that maybe the Lions may developed that or, or started to develop that last year and it carried over, there is a carryover effect, I think, that you are referencing. And I think that they would reference as part of, part of the process that has put them in the position they're in today. In that context, don't you think that is part of the reason and that's part of what you heard from Justin Fields on Wednesday in explaining why he wants to play and why he's going to play and frankly, why he should play. Right. Look, I, I, not a single person inside this building is bad. At, you know, blinked an eye at the idea that Justin Fields wants to play, should play, can gain something out of playing, that it's not just, you, you know, hey, let's shut him down. Let's pick five games next year that he can play. And when we get to Super Bowl 59, we just turn him loose for that because that's the, the next game that matters for this team. Uh, but we we heard from Justin and, and, and look, he wants to play. He understands that the, the growth process requires being in experiences and games that uh, allow you to grow. And then he also talked about what it would mean to him 
uh, if they could squeeze a win out of one or both of these last two games. And here's what he said. Yeah, I mean, it, it feel great. Um, you know, uh, no, we're on a losing streak right now, but you know, I think you know, winning this week and winning the last week of the season, it, you know, be great momentum going going into the off season. So, um, and you know, I think it it's, it's really just a it just feel good, you know, just you know, ending the game with the win because we're on a eight game losing streak or something like that. But um, yeah, just just feeling good, just the amount of work we put in and just the attitude of everybody in the building. Um, you know, just that you know positive mindset and you know going in. Uh, to practice and to meeting room, just just wanting to get better. So, um, just the work that we put in during the weekend, you know, it paying off with the win. That that definitely be huge for sure. Even Justin has lost count of how many games in a row they've lost. Like <laughs> yada yada yada, eight game losing streak. <laughs> that's that's how long it's been. We were um, celebrating in Foxborough and yada yada yada. We we haven't uh, won since. We've referenced DeAndre Houston Carson previously on this program, and and he's a great. Um, voice in this locker room right now because he's been through a lot during his seven seasons here with the Bears and he's seen losing seasons. He's seen last place seasons. He's been to the playoffs a couple times. He understands kind of the differences between those teams. And I had a a cool one-on-one discussion with him in the locker room on Wednesday afternoon and he used the phrase learn to win without being prompted for it. And then I just kind of asked him to kind of explain things. And I'm going to read you a little bit. This is in my story on chicagotribune.com. The first thing he said that when I asked him, I said, what would be in your eyes, the value of winning a game or two down the stretch? And he said, mental sanity, you know, and I said, I do know, right? Like we referenced it earlier, just the feeling like all the work you're putting in is going towards something I think is valuable to a player. Uh, and so there's that, but he, he said uh, for this team, it'd be good to gain a better understanding of what it actually takes to me learning how to win is about learning how to close games in the fourth quarter. That's what the NFL is. And from what I've learned and what I really believe that means is you learn how to keep doing right longer than the other team. That was a cool way to to phrase that. He went on to say, uh, there are a lot of things that go into it, but for me, when we talk about learning to finish and learning to close, if you can develop the habit of playing every play like it's the same, then in the fourth quarter, nothing feels different. You're just playing football. That traces back to how you practice, where your mindset is during the week, how you visualize things. That's all part of this. And then I said, look, four years ago, you were part of a team that at this time of year was on an awesome ride. The Bears won nine of their last 10 regular season games in 2018 to win the division. Their only loss was an overtime road loss to the New York Giants when Chase Daniel was playing their quarterback and they showed all the metal and moxie and poise needed to come back and put that game in overtime. And he said with that team, when they got in that run, he said, at that point, we knew going into each week we were going to win. I don't know that that's the feeling here right now. It's more like we'll see, but you have to develop that real belief that we're going to win this game. That's a huge part of this too. That's from that's from a respected team leader in this locker room. Here. Well, and a guy whose voice carries because of his experience and what he's been through. And he has been part of some winning and some part of some very you know, tough losing. And now that uh, that's perspective, you know, and that's maturity. And that's why you have guys like that around. Uh, so good for him to be able to put that in the kind of context and words that he did. I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. But Dan, I think then the next question in the context of this week, we have to cover all of it and we got to try to get through it because there's yeah. a lot going on. So yeah, the bears want to win and all the meatballs are like us are nodding. Yeah. You know, we understand why they need to win. We need to develop this process and have it carry over. But there's somebody out there saying, you know what? The Derek Carr has been exiled from Las Vegas, and now they need a quarterback. And Devontae Adams went to Las Vegas to play with Derek Carr. So he's not going to be very happy, and he may want to navigate his way out of Las Vegas in the offseason. So the Bears should do everything in their power 
to get the number one overall pick. And maybe Lovey Smith can win a game that impacts the Bears in a positive way and do something for the organization that was so good to him. And if the Texans win and the Bears lose out, then all of a sudden you have an auction for your number one overall pick. And maybe, just maybe, you can entice the Raiders to throw in Devontae Adams <laughs> and get your number one receiver and get your draft capital that you need and all will be well. Dan, you've heard it. I know it. I've gotten tweets to that effect last night on Wednesday <laughs> night when it happened. How would you answer all that nonsense or is it nonsense? If you promised me that the Bears could get Devontae Adams, a first round pick, another two or three or four, whatever all these people are saying that's going to come back in that hall, then I'd say, let's go. Let's go to Detroit and lose. Let's go, <laughs> let's go, let's go lose these last two games. But this is my whole point with this pie in the sky thinking is that, that I, I <laughs> until we know what happens with whatever draft pick they wind up with, one or two, it's really hard to have an intelligent, reasoned discussion on what they can get out of losing all these games. It, right. It's all guesswork. It's all imagination. It's all, uh, again, pie in the sky thinking on best case scenario is this. Again, I've brought up examples like when the when the uh, Panthers, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, Colts traded their pick to the Jets so the Jets could come up and get Sam Darnold, and they didn't really get a haul back in that trade that turned them into world beaters. The the Browns traded the Eagles, their number two pick, so the, the Eagles could come flying up and get Carson Wentz in 2016. And, and, and the return that they got back when you finally sifted through it all a couple years later and said these were the players that, that wound up coming back from that trade, it was just a... Eh. I don't know how good it was. And so, right. um, look, when, Justin Fields just surpassed 4,000 passing yards for his career in his 24th start against the uh, Bills on Christmas Eve. He could double that total next year when he's throwing to Mooney and Devontae Adams and T. Higgins. And maybe, who knows, maybe they can bring T.O. back out of retirement and have a dream team receiving core. But I just don't think that that some of these dream scenarios that are fun for fans to, to go down are, are all that realistic. Um, um, who knows? Maybe we'll be wrong and maybe we'll be doing a, a podcast in, in April or March or May saying, boy, how good does Devontae Adams look in a number 17 jersey in Lake Forest? Well, I, I don't think we, we would be wrong necessarily. I'm not ruling that out. I, I think in, in the world that we live in, you know, where fantasy football has become such a cottage industry and everybody is, is a general manager and working this out and planning ahead, it is fun to consider and certainly speculation that is understandable. I just think, as you put it, it's it's so still down the road and far fetched at this point in time to want to, you know, orchestrate losing to the point that that, that is being suggested is is maybe a bridge too far. But yeah, it, it's fun to consider. I don't know what's going to happen with that. We none of us do. Um, the Raiders have yet to even declare who's going to be coaching them, who's going to be making that draft pick. So there's, it's way premature, but I guess that is the fun. And that's why sports talk radio stations exist. And, and the NFL is as popular as it is. Okay. Right. So th there's plenty of more, anything else on that speculation before we get into our numbers, game and predictions. No, we can go right to that.